Hey, Colin. I was delighted to get your message. Roy here. Um, yeah, thanks so much for calling in. That was my first voice message. It only took me a couple of days to figure out how to listen to it. <laughs> anyway, I am enjoying your back catalog. Really some interesting ideas that are coming out. Uh, and I hope to respond to them. Although, I have to say, lots of times I don't have a lot of good input to give on particular items. Your guests have done a great job of covering it. But uh, it does sometimes send me scurrying to either create something or research something. Hi there, I'm Colin Green. You're listening to Spike Pit. But this is not one of my normal episodes. I'm calling these episodes my drive-by episodes, wherein... I speak a little bit more candidly about the things that are on my mind. I'll be pulling less punches, maybe biting a bit less on my tongue. Now, if you think that's perhaps not such a good thing, then this is not the episode for you. Remember, this is a drive-by. So I'm getting back into the swing of things, kicking Kicking it all off again with Roy Lorenko valiantly delving through my back catalogue. And I, I said it before, but it's so encouraging to know that people are kind of discovering the older episodes and, you know, they've still got legs. Um, I don't think you can hope for much more than that. So glad you're enjoying it, Roy. And, uh, yeah, keep, keep them calls coming. I've got a few in the... Uh, in the hopper, ready to go on upcoming episodes. So, want to do a bit of a message fest this time round, and it's feedback in relation to previous episodes. I've got some great call-ins. First up, then, or next up, I should say, we've got Liren. She's talking about the uh, the custom. What did I call it now? The GM lead design idea that uh, ended up causing me to record a couple of episodes referee in one and referees two something like that let's hear what liran's got to say it's a two-parter hey colin it's liran i was just listening to your episode where you're talking about bespoke rules and that sounds really awesome i think that is so individual though because you know just a handful of games i've played at cons means that I've played with people that I don't know at all and I've played with people that I know really well and I played with my husband who you know who do you know better than that right but um I think you have to it's so much about your personality it could be that you prefer the kind of GM who is creative enough or comfortable enough or bold enough to step outside of just following the exact rules but I don't think that means that people that follow the exact rules should all have to you know add their own spin to the rules if they're not comfortable doing so so I don't and I don't think you're trying to say that but I just mean it's it seems to me like the games I've played in it varies a lot based on the GM hey Colin it's Liren again it seems I have a lot to say you asked what to call it and you said uh, one of the options you said was GM led rules and then you said is that a bit poncy which by the way that is adorable but I digress. I think that's exactly what it is. I think you have to be really careful not to overgeneralize because then people won't understand. 
realize that I am not someone who's played a lot of games. Remember, I'm really, you know, pretty much a noob. And so I would be super interested to play a game that somebody was like, these are the rules that really mean a lot to me because I would be like, cool, I bet, you know, this is going to be really fun because they're invested here. But I think you would have to call it something pretty specific for me to understand that that was the case. Now that said, at all the cons I've gone to, they've had like paragraph long descriptions of what the game was where that could be made clear too. So anyway, just a thought. I like GM led rules, by the way. Couple of great call-ins then from Liren there and some good points I want to pick up on. The first being that, yeah, it's important to remember that bespoke rules or GM-led design is not going to be something for everybody. I think probably there's a certain type of gamer out there who's a little bit wary of of um, playing in a game that is kind of not by a, a major publisher or a, or a kind of recognised name. Perhaps they're concerned that it, it may even just be rubbish. And if they're at a con... There's not really any way to find out about it, perhaps, beforehand. Unless, of course, you can get hold of the GM and ask a few questions, which in this day and age is, is probably not unrealistic uh, expectation-wise. And then the other thing Liren talks about, and it's important to remember, that, yeah, terminology, we've always got new people coming into the hobby, and you've got to be, I think, clear in explaining what it is you're up to. If you're running games for people, make it clear at the outset what they're getting into. You don't want to have a falling out when everybody's turned up for a session thinking they're going to be playing, I don't know, 5e or something, and then you just come up with your wacky hairbrain schemes, as it were. So, yeah, it's all cards out on the table, be clear about what you're doing, I think, and um, understand and don't don't be upset if, you know, maybe your the rules that you love so much uh, are, are not uh, popular with everybody. That, you know, um, I definitely think there is some of that goes on because as someone who's kind of enthusiastic about trying out new stuff, I definitely do run into resistance sometimes, and the thing is not not to be disheartened, not to be disheartened if you can't get players for something that you think is brilliant, because they all want to play five e. I mean, in some ways, it's pretty understandable, and you know, um, you just got to plug away at it. With the uh, online gaming community and uh, the sort of uh, anchorite community, the folk there. Uh, that are willing to try out all sorts of stuff. Hey up, Colin. Shandy Andy here. DMs and designing uh, rules as you go along. I don't know whether this sort of counts towards what you were getting at, but I play a f- uh, AD&D First Ed system face-to-face every Tuesday, and the GM who's been running it has been GMing for oh, 35, 40 years. I've only known him about 18 months, uh, been part of the campaign. 
he has a whole load of rules um, that he's introduced which are not standard. I mean, the one I really like is uh, for movement. He has divides movement up into first round, second round, thir and third and subsequent rounds. And in the first round, you, you have a... Say you can move six, and then in the second round you can move eight, and then in the third round you can move 12, the normal movement. So it's almost as though you're getting up to um, speed on that. And then recently, um, well, when I say recently, within the last uh, 12 months, we had issues with the monk character and the way that, um, I'm trying to remember, I might be um, generalising here as to exactly what it was, but effectively if he rolls a natural 20, the monk uh, is able to have a special attack where he can knock unconscious or even kill outright um, uh, another uh, character uh, that he's fighting. Um, we had a discussion around the table and a bit of a discussion on Facebook about how are we going to do that, and I think in the end um, the DM came up with a ruling that uh, it was going to be Fight, he could literally have a, a, a disarm if it was against a humanoid with a weapon and if it was against a very large creature you know like a giant or an ogre um, then he could potentially uh, just disable a limb um, you know depending on what the role he got on a d20 but that again was something we discussed the dm and the players and came to an agreement and the third example in this game is something that we've um, sort of uh, discovered along the way between the players and the gm was uh, i play a shahir now, Shahir is a um, type of magic user who has to send away for their spell, has a jingling little like familiar who goes away and takes 1d6 plus 1 rounds to find a spell, which is obviously problematic if you're already in combat, because combat might be over by the time you get the spell. Uh, and it did make allowance that you were able to hold a spell for about 30 minutes, I think it was. But that, again, was very restrictive. So, again, we had a, a chat about that and decided that as long as my Shahir was of a level that they could cast the spell because you can send away for spells that um, you, you're not of the level to actually cast yet but you get a much reduced chance of gaining them um, so it meant that my uh, Shahir can hold indefinitely any spell which made them much more useful uh, in combat I don't know if that's of any use Colin whether I've uh, still misunderstood what you were trying to get at and I apologise and I apologise if my voice is a bit uh, Joe Cocker but I got a really sore throat and I hope it was, uh, you could understand what I was saying. And there's some dedication there. Shandy Andy, on his sick bed, a bad throat, sounding a bit like Joe Cocker, but still calling into Spike Pit. And uh, yeah, thanks for that, Andy. Uh, not a player of first edition AD&D. Dabbled with it a little bit when we were kids because we just played up this mashup of basic and whatever D&D books we could get hold of as they come along. So whilst I'm kind of familiar with some of the stuff you're talking about, the, the specifics of monks and things goes a little bit over my head. But I'm sure there's plenty of listeners that will uh, appreciate those examples, as do I in particular, because, yeah, in answer to your question, yeah, this is what I'm talking about. You, you've got a GM, he's taking a system that he likes, saying, as we're saying, first edition, Advanced Dungeons and & Dragons, and then between himself and the players, they've worked out, ironed out any of the little uh, bumps and, and crinkles and wrinkles, smoothed, smoothed it all out to get the playable experience at the table that they want for themselves. Obviously, every time 
you get someone new come into the group. Um, there is the danger with this is that you you get some friction, but I think as long as everybody kind of explains stuff and and, and makes all these kind of rulings or or maybe even codifies them into rules, not something I'm particularly into, but it sounds like this is getting really quite involved in this particular example and may well be worth doing. Uh, you know, when you get a new player come to the group, you've got this document or something you can show to them that is a, a um, an addendum to the main rules. And it should be fine. And it's this this variety in the hobby that really interests me. These, like the example of the movement, the kind of getting up to speed. Um, you you cited that as something you particularly enjoyed, but for me, nah, I I I wouldn't want that level of detail. But that's it. That's exactly it. Is um, different strokes for different folks. Awesome. I mean, I think that's. That's what the hobby wants. We don't all want to be playing rules as written 5e. I mean, that's horrific. Hey, Jason here, Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Just want to say I agree with you. I think John was the closest to, to what I think you're trying to get across. I still think that the GM and the players are the most important part. I think system is important. Like John called them, the shoes the GM wears. And definitely the system's going to help facilitate. And what you're saying, you know, your system, and especially if you develop one, which I think the idea of each GM developing their own system beyond even house rules, but their own style. Yeah, I think that style would, would go across any system, though, right? So I haven't played on John's games. But I bet you whether John's GMing BX or he's GMing Black Hack or he's GMing, you know, something else, I bet you his GM style is the same regardless of this system. So some systems might fit John's style better, right? But, you know, and if, say, he John's GMing a heavier system, but he tends to just do really quick, oh, just do an act, and I've never played with John, so I, I probably shouldn't be using his example, but say a GM just wants to do quick checks and, and they're known for, oh, just give me a strength save for that. Just give me a whatever save for that. And they're in a heavier game. They might default to, well, just give me a save for that, even if that's not in the rules. So a game where it's all saves, like maybe Nave, might fit them better. But I have a feeling the GM style is going to be the GM style regardless of the game. So I'm not sure. I think I get what you're getting at. And I agree there's an ideal system for each GM. Or maybe I should say there's an ideal system for each GM in each group. Because it is the GM and players, you know, working together. But whether the rule... I don't know. I I understand what you're saying, I believe. I don't know that I totally agree with that. I think the GM is more important than the rules. And the GM-player bond and they're working together is more important. But, but I definitely think certain rules can enhance that relationship with the GM and the players and the way they're playing. And I'm, it's early, I'm not awake yet, and I know I'm not making a whole lot of sense, but I hopefully that comes across clear as mud. You can comment on it, and I can call back and forth 
I discuss the differences between rules light and crunchy and all that stuff in my podcast I just dropped as well. And thank you for playing Scott's message. Now I have another podcast to find. So take it easy. So Jason makes an interesting point, and I, I was trying to think back to my uh, original episodes and racking my brains trying to recall if I talked about style, and I, I don't think I really did. This idea that every GM is going to have a personal style, I think is is valid. Although you might play different games and you might vary your style a little bit, I think... Whenever you're, you're perhaps under a little bit of pressure or you're feeling a little bit insecure at uh, something you're doing, you tend to fall back onto your old habits. And I've definitely noticed this when I'm running RPGs. Uh, I, I've talked about the, a thing I, I call rules anxiety. I don't know you know, if there is a proper name for it or what, but I um, I can... I get like a weird blindness in a game. I can't find rules, can't look stuff up when I'm running. I, it, it just all becomes a bit of a, a blur to me. It's, it's one of the reasons why I'm not a huge fan of ru- ru- um, running pre-written adventures. I have to sort of take them apart and make notes and bullet points and scribble on them and everything. And if I've got a real nice book... I can't bring myself to do it. Part of the reason why I like uh, PDFs increasingly is whilst I don't find them so friendly to handle, I can doctor them and scrawl on them and take things out of them. And if I have to, print sections out. And the uh, one-page dungeons as well, they it's all there. I, I don't get lost with them. And And stylistically... I think that has an effect on the way I come across. I've seen it with other players, uh, other GMs. Some GMs seem to be really, um, they really back off from the group, just let the the group really do their thing, just interjecting now and then at opportune moments. Um, Well, coming up later, let's take the uh, example of John. Um, Jason didn't want to talk about John because he'd not played with him, but I play in John's CSI Middlelands game, and I've played in uh, a few different games with John now, and one thing you do notice, he is very into his uh, NPCs and playing out those characters. He he sort of kind of comes alive when, when he's doing his NPCs, and you can tell he really enjoys it, it gets into it, and you know it. It, it makes makes for a good fun session when he gets off into one of his his characters. Particularly in Great London, we, we've had some uh, the CSI Midlands game. We've had some good fun with the NPCs in that one. I, I also like doing some of them role playing scenes. So quite frequently, you would hear me and John goofing around. <laughs> Uh, pretending to be EastEnders. So that's a style thing. And I think, as Jason was saying, no matter what system a GM's playing, some of their style is definitely going to come. As for the question of importance, 
comparing player, system, GM, setting, all that sort of stuff. I'm increasingly coming to the realisation that, you know, if you take any of those things and make a hash of it, you're pretty much going to ruin a session. Any any one of those things. So you, I think that's part of what makes RPGs a quite challenging you know to get a really good session is by no means easy and in uh, certain respects I think that's why people come back to it I think there is a striving for that great session and if it was always going to be great and always perfect I'm wondering whether there would be the draw that there is to keep you coming back. You know, you wouldn't have the same challenge. Um, there, might, there might be mileage for discussion in that thought. I'd be interested to know if anybody else thinks along those lines or do you just get something else out of it. So I'm guessing we probably mentioned him at least three times. So like the candy man, up he pops, Mr. John Large. Hey, Colin, John here from the Red Dice Diaries. Just wanted to congratulate you on your 200th episode. It seems like only yesterday I was recording a congratulations for your 100th episode, which, to be honest, given the amount of episodes you put out, it may have well been yesterday. But in all seriousness, dude, along with Jason Hobbs and Ray Otis, who's just sort of hit his 100th episode, just left him a message. Yours is one of the, the sort of go-to podcasts that when I listen to it, I always sort of flip it to the top of my soon-to-play list on my podcatcher. So it's been interesting to hear how the show has been evolving. They say bringing in some more audacity skills and more of the music we're never losing sight of the core of good content so wishing you all the best dude take care and i'll catch you soon a vote of confidence there from john and some very kind words that i appreciate also i appreciate the fact that that is a segue to the next thing i want to say which is john myself dave aldridge and pete jones are Purple Worm, the new podcast on Anchor. I'm a little bit late promoting it. I've been away on holiday, and this is one of the rare times you're going to hear me making an excuse. But I didn't think it was a great idea <laughs> getting on the airwaves, <laughs> totally steaming. Um, I had a bit of a whale of a time on holiday. It was all-inclusive, which amounts to being... Uh, a free bar for 10 days and uh, yeah nobody wants to hear that I promise you I sound drunk at the best of times the last thing you need is me actually being drunk Uh, (laughs) I don't want to get on here giving Ray Otis a load of stick about a game that he's playing or um, (laughs) anything like that I'm going to draw a veil over this now, but I'm just going to say, check out Purple Worm. It's us four. We're kind of buddies from Anchor. Uh, We're playing a bunch of games together. 
So we're going to be talking about our experiences of role playing, in particular, maybe some of the the uh, the particular flavour that you might associate with some of the British side of game design, some of your old fighting fantasy. I'll be very surprised if the likes of White Dwarf doesn't crop up. Every chance we'll we'll talk about TV programmes at some point. Who knows? What I would like to think is that you will find it entertaining. So if you haven't checked it out, we've got three episodes up now. We're recording again at the weekend at the time of recording. That's Sunday, November the 3rd. So who knows when the first episode will come out. I'd like to think we'll turn it around for some some point in the first week of November. Yeah, Purple Worm with me, Dave, John and Pete. Check it out. Before I go then, just want to say a big thanks to the folks who called in, made the show possible. Roy Lorenko, Liren of Updates from the Middle of Nowhere, Shandy Andy, Unguarded Treasure B52, Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast, and last but not least, we had John, Red Dice Diaries. Thanks for calling in, guys. Couldn't have done it without you. Thank you for listening to this Spike Pit Drive-By episode. If you've enjoyed the show, consider spreading the word via social media. Take care. Catch you later. Don't you just love it when people tell you how to do your job? I've only been gardening, well, on and off pretty much as long as I've been walking. What's that? 43 years or so? Jeez.